Well, I want to add my welcome <clears throat> to all of you. I'm so glad you're here at Fellowship this morning. Uh, let me say it is a <clears throat> significant day in the history of our church. More accurately, it is a significant day for the future of our church. We come today <clears throat> to the culmination of a four-week series we have called Follow. It's around the Gospel of John, Follow Jesus. We call it Follow. <clears throat> joining Jesus on a journey of generosity. It is a journey with four invitations, come, see, give, live. And if you've walked through the devotions with us, which I hope you have, we wrapped it up this morning. Um, services over these four weeks, um, a prayer vigil last night, uh, various meetings we've talked about this journey and what it means. Um, when we live the invitations, come see, give, live, I hope we understand now that um, we live in such a way that others might live. And in this way, understand this journey of generosity, it's not ultimately about the finances and the money, though we're talking about that. It's about following Jesus with all that we are and all that we have. Today is Commitment Sunday. It is the beginning of a window of time, it's three weeks really we have, but we begin today to literally make our financial commitments. We've talked about this, where it's, we're making three-year financial commitments toward the $15 million uh, in this project that, that's our part in, in, in bringing, solving the two problems we have here at Brentwood in terms of facility and Franklin in terms of facility. It's a $30 million project, y'all. Let's not forget that. But God has provided through you, <coughs> 15, we have, there's 15 million there. And so these three-year commitments are us bringing our part, the second part of that. And, and to us, it's a sense of God's spirit is moving. God is working here. Let's join him and bring uh, the other 15 million. So, we do these, so that we'll do these projects <coughs> with no debt. Uh, Rob and I have, have tried our best over these weeks to communicate with you that it's about way more than facilities. It's about living our mission, becoming a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and then help others do the same. It's about living out our vision, Jesus transforming thousands of hearts through you, through the people of fellowship. You know, Psalm 102, the psalmist is lamenting Israel's plight at this time. It's, it's a very difficult time in, in Israel's history. <clears throat> the psalmist is lamenting really the, the faithlessness of the people and calling them back to faithfulness. And while he's lamenting that, he's actually also, like in all the Psalms, he's actually affirming as well, God, you know, it doesn't seem like you're faithful and we're certainly not being faithful, but God, you're faithful and you're always faithful. He's calling the people to that faithfulness. Verse 18, he makes this really a profound call and statement. He said, let this be recorded for future generations <clears throat> so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. What does he mean there? He's calling, you know, God is calling them to write down how they are being faithful to God and how trustworthy God is right now in this season. Write it down. Why are we writing it down? So that in the future, a generation that you'll never see with your physical eyes, <clears throat> they'll be able to see God is trustworthy and they'll be able to see how you trusted God 
in your situation. And y'all, that's at the very center of this journey of generosity. It's at the very heart of it. It's about generations yet to come, not ignoring our own, but what do we do now to ensure that the gospel is preached to them? If you're a guest this morning, okay, uh, I can only imagine you're like, oh, we, we chose to visit today, you know, of all days. You, you're hoping we'll have a meet and greet and we stand and you can slide out, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're not gonna do that, but let me set your heart at, e- let me set your heart at ease. Okay, and, and uh, calm your troubled spirit. <clears throat> you couldn't have picked a better day to come. I'm, I, I really mean that. Because if, if you're visiting, you're wondering, you know, what, what does this church believe? Let me tell you something. You picked a great day. <clears throat> because if you want to know what a church believes, pay attention to the commitments that they make. We can talk all day, but this is a great day for you to watch us and pay attention to the commitments that we choose to make because this is what we actually believe. Every commitment flows from a belief, okay? But if you wanna see what we really believe, look at the commitment. (laughs) And this takes us to our text for the morning. Open your Bibles to to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts chapter two, we're in verses 42 to 47. I'll grab one other verse in there, but 42 to 47. Let me say, <clears throat> this book is a sequel to the gospel of Luke. So Luke writes a gospel about the life of Jesus. And then Luke as well writes this book of Acts. You don't need to turn there, but <clears throat> I'll read it. Acts chapter one, verse one, Luke is writing and says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Gospel of Luke. I'm dealing with all that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts. Now let me explain to you what Jesus continued to do through those who followed him. And and we've studied the book of Acts before and and you get to see, oh my goodness, this is how the gospel went from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. The book of Acts is where we get a picture of the embryonic church, if I can say it that way, not fully formed and organized yet, but it's there, it's there. And I use that word embryonic purposefully because in what we see in our text in particular this morning is is the church's DNA. It's all there, right? You go, wait, I don't see it all there. No, it's all there. The DNA is there. And it develops as you move through the book of Acts. It's reflected in, the DNA is reflected in four commitments that every member of the early church made. And what I'm praying for today is that we would understand, because we're gonna land here, our financial commitments are preceded by these four commitments. Now, in verse 42, he gives these four commitments and then in 43 to 47, he's gonna unpack, he's gonna unpack them. Let me give you some further context. Peter, by the way, has just preached the first sermon in the New Testament. And uh, we're actually gonna end with a piece of Peter's sermon. He's he's preaching the gospel. 
And what happens, it, it, it honestly is, it is amazing. So actually I want you to look at verse 41 because he preaches the, that sermon. <clears throat> what happens, verse 41. So those who received his word, those who believed it, those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The day began with 120 Christ followers huddled in an upper room. That's how the day began. This is all happening the same day. Peter, Peter preaches this gospel message and within hours, the one, within hours, the 120 have now become 3,120. <laughs> A 25-fold increase <laughs> in those few hours. This is amazing. But what I want to suggest is what happens next is just as staggering, if not more staggering. And that's our text today. Look at verses 42 to 47. <clears throat> and they, who's the they? Those who had just received uh, the gospel. <clears throat> and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being <clears throat> saved. Now, here's why I think this is staggering. 3,000 come to faith in Jesus and they start doing these things. But we have no record that, that the apostles said, okay, now here's, the, here's what you got to do. You need to do this. And then you need to do that. It's not there because this is the spirit guiding and directing and forming the body of Jesus through those whom the spirit dwelled in. L literally, this is a work of the Holy Spirit that they make these four commitments. I mentioned a moment ago that our commitments are rooted in beliefs. You have a belief and then you make the commitment. They received the word and they made these commitments. I'm gonna move through the, I'm gonna move through the four. Again, verse 42 lists the four <clears throat> and then the other passages kind of unpack them and add to them, but we'll hit the four. First, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let me say this, first of all, why do I use the word committed? Why do I call these commitments? I think this is what they are. It's what the text says they are. And I think for this reason, verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves. Uh, that word devoted, <clears throat> kind of in our day, in, in our English vernacular, it's kind of, it's a little squishy. If I could say this, it's kind of be thought of more as kind of an emotional, romantic attachment, you know, for me. And I date myself here, but I was definitely 
hopelessly devoted to Olivia Newton-John for years, <laughs> every young man was. I mean, it's like, you know, but that's like devoted. But the word itself is, is much f- firmer. It's, it's, it's much deeper. The Greek word's not devoid of emotion, you all, but please hear this. It carries the sense of perseverance in an activity. It is to persist. It is, it's to endure. It is to, to be firm, to adhere firmly to. In other words, it's, it's to choose to stick to something. Does that make sense? That sounds like commitment. It's a commitment. The first, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why first? Because everything that follows comes from the teaching of the apostles. There's nothing else to do unless we have the teaching that then explains these further, that commitment and these further commitments. So let me ask you this, just think about it. You know, if if the apostles are teaching, you go, well, what are they teaching? So you got to go, you know, when when a teacher teaches, what's the subject matter? I mean, what does the teacher know? What's what's their, their, you know, expertise that they can then teach to others? This is not a trick question. This is not a hard question. Let me tell you what they knew. They knew Jesus. (laughs) They knew the person, the works, and the words of Jesus. In other words, their subject matter was the gospel. It was Christ. It was all the implications of Christ's words and his works. The very gospel itself. It'll take a lifetime, may I say this, for any human being to begin to grasp the fullness of Jesus's words, to live out the height and depth and breadth and length of the implications of the gospel in a life. That's a lifetime. Now, what we, what we do have, we actually do have what they taught. It's called the New Testament. This is what they taught. And we actually do have their source material. Like, what's the source material where this came from? That's called the Old Testament. And so what we have is all that they taught, Genesis to Revelation, And it all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. I'm gonna add a phrase on the back end of these statements. Being devoted to the apostles' teaching means being a lifelong learner. It's a commitment. I'm gonna be a lifelong learner of all the scripture teaches and and all that scripture teaches goes back to Jesus. Secondly, they committed themselves to the fellowship. The fellowship, Greek word for fellowship. A lot, of, a lot of us may be familiar kind of in that Christian cultural, you know, language. It's koinonia, uh, you know, back in the day, maybe there was the koinonia bookstore or koinonia gift shop or the koinonia coffee shop. The, 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 the idea is, is fellowship and we think fellowship, again, almost like that word devoted. Um, it's like, it, it, we generally think of it as, you know, that was, that was great fellowship. You know, and it's like, we, like, we were together and we liked being together. <laughs> We're not gonna call it fellowship if we didn't like being together, but, but that's not what it is. Ultimately, it, it, I should say, that, that is what it is, but there's more to it than that. Look again at verse 44. It says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, had all things koina. It's the same root word as fellowship. They had all things in koina, in, in, in common. Um, their commitment to fellowship, let's say it this way, 
um, it shows that it's beyond relational being together. That biblical koinonia, y'all, let me say this, actually involves your stuff. What do you mean your, I mean your things. I mean your possessions. I mean all that you have. That, that's included in biblical fellowship. Verse 45 makes it explicit. Look at it. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. It's not communism, it's not socialism, it's spirit-led, it's voluntary. Later on it says others sold their homes. They kept, many of them kept owning homes, right? So this, uh, they had private property, but oh my. What they had, they viewed as gift and that it, it was for the good of others. And so let me add, to this statement, I said they were committed to the fellowship. It means a commitment to being a lifelong steward. Now we don't often think of that word with fellowship, but it's in the text. It's being a lifelong steward. That it is, it's recognizing that all that you are, all that you are and all that you possess and all that you have, God gifts us that we might steward it for his kingdom, ultimately the good of others. Third, says they committed themselves to the breaking of bread. What, what does this mean, the breaking of bread? Well, some hold that it, it means the Lord's table. And you'll see, I'll say in a moment, I think in part it does. But, but when we wanna go, okay, what's it mean, the breaking of bread? Where's that term used? Well, it's used right within the context itself. Look there at verse 46, it says, and day by day attending the temple together, and breaking bread, there's the phrase. What, what, is, what does that mean? Breaking bread in their homes. What does that mean? It means they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It means they ate together. <laughs> they shared meals. Now, it's not an either or. Is it a shared meal? Is it people eating together? Or is it celebrating the Lord's table? Well, I would suggest it's a both end. That in the early church, the Lord's table was part of a meal. They called it a love feast. That really got them into, by, by the way, that got them into trouble with the culture. They're like, what's this love feast? And so they would have a meal and as a part of the meal, they would practice, celebrate, receive the Lord's table. It's, it's really a, a, a both end. Sharing a meal though, consider this, contextually, culturally. In that day, it was the ultimate, ultimate expression of belonging, being a part, being accepted by the table host and other guests there. You remember the table series we did? How many were here when we did the table series? Okay, not a ton, but, but some. We did a whole series called the, the table series. And why did we do it? We had a big table set up here. We did it because we were, we were, show, we were showing ourselves that when God chose to describe a picture, a metaphor, an image, of what it means to be in fellowship with him, to be in relationship with him, and what that intimacy looked like, guess what he picked? He picked the dinner table. He picked a table. Where those gathered around experienced intimacy with, with him. And so let me add this statement to our commitment to fellowship. Being devoted to the breaking of the bread means a commitment to lifelong community to lifelong community, refusing to, to ever go it alone, being inviting of others in and receiving the invitation 
of others. It's being at tables together. And then finally, this is fourth, they committed themselves to the prayers. The prayers. Some of your translations may say prayer, singular, but the Greek is two things. Number one, the definite article's there. It's the, it's in the Greek text, and prayer, prayers is plural. So it's the prayers. And you go, the prayers? Where where they get these prayers? How about 2,000 years worth of Old Testament prayers? <laughs> they were praying people. They carried that forward. They, they, they prayed the prayers. The Shema, hear, O Israel, our God is one. They, they prayed that three times a day. Chapter three, verse one, they're, they're getting ready to go up to the temple to pray the prayers, the Shema. It's certainly the prayers that Jesus taught them, right? The prayers we know and probably other prayers that he prayed that they learned. Verse 47 says they were praising God and no doubt that this was really the content, the, the biggest content of their prayers, the prayers. What? The declaration of God's goodness, his glory, his majesty, his grace, his mercy, all that God was. And so I would add this to our fourth commitment. Being devoted to the breaking of bread means a commitment to lifelong. Being devoted to the prayers means a commitment to lifelong worship. This is a wonderful picture. No, they gathered in large gatherings under, at the portico, at the temple. You know, this wasn't small. This was a larger gathering. And they gathered in smaller gatherings. They actually met in homes too, both and. And when they did, they got together, y'all, to live out these four commitments. Uh, that sounds like the church. <laughs> sounds like what, what church does. It, and it is, it is. This is God's primary means of fulfilling the great commission. Go into all the world, make disciples of life. This is the primary means that the local congregate, the local church. It's why we exist, y'all. This is getting at essences for us. This is why we exist as a community of faith. Why, do we, why are Rob and, Rob and I are doing the same message at both campuses this morning? Why are we doing this? Because we want you to understand the financial commitments that we make today and over these weeks, these, these few weeks now as we make these commitments. They have a context. They don't just rise up out of, hey, let's just give this. No, there's a context from which they come. They come ultimately not because we need to build certain facilities. They come ultimately because we have committed to living out these four commitments. You see that? It comes out of that. To be lifelong learners, to be lifelong stewards in a life, in lifelong community and to be lifelong worshipers. Y'all, this is in a, in a way, and, and this is intentional, I'm just restating the generous journey, the journey of generosity. We come to Jesus, we see God at work, we give our lives away, and then we live, and the way we live actually brings life to others. This is all this is. Did you notice there's, there's at least two, like, I don't even wanna call them benefits, because they're so much bigger than benefits, but, but two things that commit, these living these commitments produce in those who made them. First is in verse 42, <clears throat> I just wanna note it. It says, and awe came upon every soul. That word, the Greek word is phobos, and this is where we get the word fear. 
And it's translated fear in many places. And here, it, it, your Bible may have, and fear came upon them. This is not the scary fear, okay? This is not that kind of fear. This is the reverential fear. <laughs> this is, this is what you actually feel. Can I say that? You, you feel it. You, you, you note it. Some, something happens in your body, <laughs> your mind, your body, your whole heart. And, and God does something and it's unexplainable. And, and, and you're, you're struck with awe. You have reverential goosebumps because God is present and clearly God is at work. When we watched Pastor Herman and Margaret receive a check for over $900,000 that, that would put them back in their building. If you, were at the, if you were at the service, if you watched it, can I tell you what happened? You felt awe. Awe. Was that a, a fundraiser? Um, Jamie Hurd, Jamie Hamilton here, along with two of their dear friends, started a ministry called Faithfully Restored. And it's really out of deep pain in these women's lives. They just start this ministry, they just start this ministry called Faithfully Restored. And, and it's just mind-blowing what they do and how they serve and come along other women, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other women, voluntarily just to, to, to walk with them in their pain, to resource them with the gospel in their pain. And, and I'm telling you, I felt awe. Man, I'm, I mean this. It's like, what? What's happening here? There's another event like this for Mike and Michelle Smalling's ministry called Homes for Homes. Mike's a mortgage lender. A decade or so ago, they said, you know, we need to take every mortgage you close and let's you take some of, some of that money and build a home. Y'all. So 10 years later, they're not just building homes. They go to a village in Africa. There's 48 huts, mud huts, mud floors. They build a home for every person in the village. I mean, you watch this and I'm sitting there watching them. I know Mike and Michelle, it's my son's in-laws. And I'm telling you what I felt was awe. Like, oh my, I'm looking at you, Mary. We know this, when you see God do this, it's like, oh my. We watch Mike Vogt and James Bach tell their story. How does that happen? A lost boy, here's the gospel, comes to faith, James, goes back to his home where he's gonna, he could easily be killed. He says, I'm going anyways. Plants churches, Mike connects with him. We begin, we, we, you, we begin to coordinate pastor training, women's ministries there. A little boy named Angelo, he's an orphan. He's not even supposed to be in the meeting. You know what I'm saying? 16 years later, he's a doctor. And you give to put a clinic in Vietnam, Sudan that's never been there where people die of treatable diseases and the most vulnerable are pregnant women. And now you're gonna, what do you feel? I feel awe, I feel awe. Here's what's fascinating. Look at verse 42 or 43. It says, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Please note, nothing against the signs and wonders. 
They didn't feel the awe because of the signs and wonders. Why did, they, why did the sense of awe come upon them? Verse 42. They were living out these four commitments. And awe came upon them. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry for my voice, y'all. We had an all-night prayer vigil last night. Actually, I was at the South Carolina game, so. <laughs> I turned to my daughter after the first quarter and said, I've got to stop. I can't speak anymore. I got to stop. But I couldn't. <laughs> Secondly, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When a group of people live out these four commitments, please note, the community in which they're living out the four commitments actually receives favor. It's called grace. Wait, wait, you're talking about, wait, so you're saying if we live out these commitments, Brentwood, Franklin, Middle Tennessee gets favor? Like when we live out these commitments, favor. And then God brings people to himself. We don't. You get, this is fascinating. He does. Because he gets all the glory. And I, I just must say this. Where I go on this is, I, I truly do, I go, oh my word. I get to be a part of this. We get to do this. This, where people come to faith in Christ, grow in their faith, and help others come to faith in Christ. We get to be a part of that. Yeah. Which brings us to our three-year commitment cards. So we've been asking you to get these cards that would, would, would note your three-year commitment um, in an envelope. And I do want to say, why, why are Rob and I teaching this passage today? Because we want you to understand that this, this commitment comes out of four commitments that we live in. You can't separate this. We do all these, we, we live these commitments. Please note this. You know, you've been around here long enough. You, you notice it. I mean, we, these, it's impossible to live these commitments. We live these commitments by the power of the spirit that lives in us. But hear me say this. When the spirit lives within us, we're compelled to live the commitments. You can't live them apart from the spirit. But I'm telling you, the spirit lives in us. And if you're a Christian, the spirit lives in you. Well, then the spirit will compel us to live the commitments. When the spirit hovered over, in Genesis 1, hovered over the, the, the uh, chaos, the darkness. Do you know, what, you know what happened? Well, you know what happened, Genesis 1. An explosion of life. When Jesus came from the Father, the sun filled with the spirit. You know what happened around Jesus? An explosion of life. Acts 2.42. When the people of God, filled with the spirit of God, live out these commitments. Y'all, I mean this. An explosion of life. That's what happens.
real life, life in Christ. Really the only life that matters. When I dismiss you in a few moments, I'm gonna ask you to take your commitment card, put it in the envelope, and there are boxes all around you. And I'm gonna ask you just, just drop it in the box. Now here's what I want you to do though, before you drop it in the box, don't just drop it in the box like you're dropping mail. Pause, pause I, mean, I mean this, pause, pause and affirm that this commitment flows out of your commitments to the DNA of the church. This is coming out of these commitments. I, I, we really mean that. I'll be so strong as to say this, if, if, you're, if you don't believe in those four commitments that we just walked through, or, 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 and you can be at a different place in it, you know, but if you don't even aspire to it, if it's, I mean this, do not make a financial gift. Don't violate your heart. Every consultant that's around raised $15 million right now, their ears are burning, I'm sure. But I, I really mean this, and Rob and I have talked about this. Our priority is not your, the money, it never, it's not. Our priority is your heart. Jesus, wholehearted, following him. And that's why I mean it when I say that. It's, it's okay, but if, if you're not living these commitments or you're not aspiring, if they're not your commitments, then it, it would be unhealthy for you to make financial commitment. It's okay. Let's keep walking that those commitments might become your own. I also know some of you don't have your card or envelope. That's okay. I said it's the beginning of our commitments. We've got, we've got three weeks. And then, then, you know, we've got these windows, but today's the day we said we're going to start. So uh, we'll have boxes at, around. We'll have a box at the office all through the week. You can come and, and make that commitment. And then finally, uh, we want you to know if you prefer to return your commitment, you know, and this is, I think this is wonderful, but if you want to do it electronically, like you want to have, fill out a commitment card, make your gift in that way and share that information, tomorrow there will be a link on the website. So for many of us, you know, you can go on there and do it that way. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. We felt it so appropriate that, um, I mean, out of this message, we would, um, we would respond with a responsive reading and it would be followed up with a responsive song. This is a part of our liturgy. But here's where we're going with the responsive reading. Um, we thought, okay, let's, let's do a responsive reading. We'll write our own, but let's do it out of Acts 2. Not the text we just taught, but what preceded it. That would be Peter's sermon. If our, com if, if our commitments flow from belief, let's affirm our beliefs, because then the commitments will flow. And so we went through Peter's sermon and we just picked out a few statements, questions, that we then affirm our belief, we believe. And so I'm gonna lead it. You'll, you'll see it on the screen, leader, congregation. I'll make a statement and then congregation, us, all of us, speak it out loud, just read it. Make this, let's reaffirm our beliefs. This is what Peter preached and oh my, 3,000 came to believe. What does it mean that these men are speaking in our language the mighty works of God? We believe that this is the promise of God through the 
what, what do you make of this man, Jesus? But he was delivered up, crucified and buried. For what end was he crucified, buried, and raised? What will you do with this risen Jesus? <laughs>